Welcome, loyal listeners, to another episode of Eclectic Full Contact Theater's splendid satirical saunter down memory lane to those thrilling days of yesteryear, throwing shade. Remember, if you love the adventures of the Shade and the Vamp, head over to Patreon at patreon.com slash EFCT and become a subscriber for shoutouts. Access to bloopers, exclusive interviews, sweet, sweet merchandise, and much more. And now, sit back, relax, and enjoy Throwing Shade. There is a darkness in the minds of men. A darkness in their hearts. A darkness in a room lights. And who knows that darkness? Well, shade knows. By day, Theodore Rockwell is a go-get'em reporter for the Chicago Gazette Times Herald. But by night, he becomes a shade. Using his uncanny ability to wear dark clothing, he, assisted by his girl Friday, Wednesday morning, who is the mysterious female vigilante, the vamp, defends the downtrodden and fights the forces he <laughs> Ooh, I like that. I just felt I needed to put my own spin on it. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> and Foley, well played. I think it's time I inject a little of myself in. What? Too much? The man who signs the checks. Right. Well then, uh, back we go. I swear I work for Philistine. Where was I? Oh, right. Fights the forces of evil. But can one man defend the innocent from the scourge of Chicago's underbelly? Find out in this week's thrilling conclusion to Throwing Shade, caught in the act. And to go with our new theme song, we have an old problem. Revolving sponsors. While the fine folks at What A Sap Chewing Gum put out a perfectly fine, plausibly deniable product, it seems members of the public decided to immediately start chewing the gum immediately after purchasing it, rather than reading the perfectly legible, easy-to-find, fine print printed inside each wrapper. Due to this refusal to follow the simple and completely legible with a magnifying glass and flashlight instructions as to chewing time, several members of the public chewed the gum too long resulting in their jaws being fused shut when the gum turned to putty. Due to the massive class action suit, what a sap chewing gum has shuttered production. And so, we here at Throwing Shade cautiously welcome the fine folks at Old Faithful Coffee Percolators. Old Faithful, the fastest, most reliable cup of coffee around. Also brought to you by Eclectic Full Contact Theater, bringing you high-quality 1930s radio-style satire since 
To be honest, I haven't been outside in so long, I have no idea. Previously on Throwing Shade. Actors are weird. And now, on to our story. Act 3, Scene 1. Class Warfare. Our heroes stake out a building, and the Shade gets schooled. The Shade... Anna Bracegirdle and Melvin Clive headed over to an abandoned building, which had been scientifically chosen at random by the Shade and the Vamp. There, they met Wednesday morning, who was across the street in front of yet another abandoned building. There sure are a lot of abandoned buildings around here. It's almost as if the entire economy has been depressed. Somebody should tell it a joke! There are days when I can't tell if life imitates art or the other way around. Well, you know what they say. Imitation is the sincerest form of flattening. I, um... Although, I always thought that was girdles. Well, Shade, why are we here? What nefarious plots are we to foil? International smuggling ring, kidnapping, racketeering, and general mob-like activities... I just hope it ain't anything that casts America in a bad light on account of they won't let us talk about stuff like that on the radio. We're here to stake out the building across the street. There have been reports of vagrants squatting in this area. Since when is exercise illegal? <laughs> no, my dear. Squatting refers to illegally taking possession of a property that isn't yours. I must say, Shade, this doesn't sound like a case worthy of the mass marauder. Justice comes in all sizes. A true hero knows no case is too small. Well spoken, old chum. Chum? Did he just call me chum? I believe he did. Do I really sound like that? A little bit, not gonna lie. Hmm. I assume we'll be taking a position atop the roof of this building. Good thing I brought my grappling hook. We'll climb up the side of the building and... Wait a minute. Aren't you forgetting something? Mm, rope, check. Grappling hook, check. A very particular set of skills, check. Nope, I'm all set. You're forgetting Anna. You know, your sidekick, partner. She can't scale the side of a building. That's true. I couldn't even lift it. Never mind where I'm going to find a scale big enough to weigh it with. I'm starting to appreciate why Marion Sturgis gags Marlowe Street in every episode. I'm sorry, my dear. Completely slipped my mind. Although, in fairness, by the time the masked marauder is doing anything like climbing the side of a building, Marlowe Street has been kidnapped and tied up for at least three scenes and two product placements. That's true. So, how do you suggest we get to the roof? The stairs. But surely this building is locked up. How do we gain access? I'm sorry, you actually own a grappling hook? And people say I'm slow. Of course. I took classes in building climbing and roof jumping when I got the masked marauder job. Classes? Of course. How else would I gain those skills? How did you become adept at climbing up buildings and leaping from rooftop to rooftop? Um, natural ability, obviously. Obviously. But why did you need to learn all that stuff? You act on the radio. 
How can I portray a character whose life I haven't lived? Um, isn't that literally what acting is? So, what's your plan to get to the roof if we can't ascend via rope? Simple. Wednesday, we'll pick the lock. That sounds like a crackerjack skill to have. Anna, I'm surprised at you. So am I. You want to learn something? The masked marauder cannot be involved in anything that is outside the law. Right, it's one of the census guidelines. He does know what the definition of vigilante is, right? Don't ask me. I still want to know why he gets a cape and I don't. Oh, dear. No, there's only one answer, Anna. Put your arms around me. Now? In front of people? I shall climb the side of the building. Take you with me. Come along. Must Marauder away! I can't believe that man! Come on, let's go pick the lock and take the stairs. Now, you know, normally I'd agree with you, but... You cannot seriously be considering us doing that. Wednesday, we're responsible for their safety. If something happened to them while we were in the staircase... Well... Besides, I can't be outdone by an actor. How would it look if he climbed a building with his partner around his neck and I used the stairs? Like you had a brain in your head. What would it do to my reputation? More than likely improve it. I'd be humiliated. Wouldn't be the first time. What? I said, oh, that'd be a shame. All right, we'll try. Because we're responsible for their safety. But don't say I didn't warn you. All right, here we go. Oh, what did I tell you? I blame the typewriter. You leave Tessa out of this. A few moments later, having taken the stairs, the Shade and Wednesday arrived on the roof to find Melvin and Anna, the former of which had already set up a telescope on the edge of the roof. I've already set up a telescope on the edge of the roof. Must say, Shade, I'm surprised you took the stairs. Had to make sure they were clear. A smart crime fighter always makes sure nobody can sneak up on him. Never can be too careful. Of course. Where did he get the telescope? I carry it with me. I always have several pieces of equipment on me at all times. Where? It's in the cape. Well spotted, Shade old chum. Again with the chum. Yes, I had the cape custom made. The lining is filled with... <gasps> Pockets? Wednesday? I think I'm in love. Shade? This is why I need a cape. Melvin? I attend every recording in full costume, though I must admit all my equipment does annoy the Foley artist.
What? I just saw somebody sneak into the building across the street that was supposed to be watching. Is that squatting? Let's go. Hey. Hey. Think they'll notice they went over the side of the building without us? Han, the stairs may be slower, but you spend less time in the hospital. Act 3, Scene 2. That's using the old bean. Mayor Crane and Rosa percolate on a problem. As our formidable foursome made their way across the street to check out the intruder, back at City Hall, Mayor Crane was having a crisis of conscience. Miss Honeysuckle! You rang, Mr. Mayor? No, Rosa, I called. I'm having a crisis of conscience. Didn't think he was gonna do it, did ya? Well, there's a first time for everything. What's the problem? I've just received word that Eugene Gomper's crankshank has been released from the hospital. Oh, that's good news. I'm so glad to hear he's all right. Yes, of course, as am I. But herein lies my quandary. Should I send him some sort of missive? Mr. Mayor, I'll admit that before working here, I didn't know much about politics. But even before I became your secretary, I knew that firing a missive at your opponent is a bad thing to do. And since when does Chicago have any missives? What are you talking about, Rosa? This office fires off multiple missives every day. You yourself have fired off most of them, like the one this morning to the city legislature. Oh, that's not true. It wasn't me. I couldn't do something like that. I don't have the codes. While I'm quite happy to hear you're in good health, Rosa, I don't see what that has to do with... No, 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 no. Dios dame paciencia. No codes. Codes. Rosa, I happen to know you make a perfectly adequate salary. There's no reason you shouldn't have warm outerwear. Not coats. Codes. You know, the codes needed to launch the missives from their silos. Wait, where are the silos? They're not under my desk, are they? That's a nice desk. I don't want to lose that desk. Why would I put your desk in a silo? <laughs> Most of those are in Indiana. Cheaper acreage. Hmm, that makes sense. Keep the silos in Indiana. So when you fire the missives, they think Indiana started it. Started what? <laughs> There's grain in those silos. Everybody knows that. Why would I have to send missives about that? Oh, Jess Green, of course. Don't you worry, Mr. Mayor. I want to say nada about it. Though, I still think firing a missive at Eugene Comper's Crookshanks is a little much. Could be a lot of collateral damage. Really? I thought it would help. 
I had no idea sending a note congratulating him on his recovery would do so much damage to my reputation. And that's why you need to run these ideas by... Wait, what do you say? A note? Yes, a note, a letter, maybe a card, you know, a missive. Oh, in English, es idioma tan estúpido. ¿Cuántas palabras para letra necesitas? What do you need a candelabra for? Is there something wrong with the electricity? I can get the oil burners in here, but they won't show up until midnight. No, I meant... Do you know what? Never mind. I think it would be a nice gesture to send Mr. Cruikshanks a letter. That's what I thought. So why are you having a crisis of conscience? Uh, to be honest, Rosa, I really don't like the man. <laughs> he always seems to be looking down his nose at me and speaking to me as if he's innately superior. Even when there's no evidence, that's the case. Oh, I can't imagine what that is like. It's frustrating, believe me. Sometimes, Mr. Mayor, you gotta do something you don't like because it's the right thing to do. I do? See? Well, I suppose it might show the voters how caring and compassionate I am. Should help with the polls. Wouldn't hurt with the Mexicans either. You've talked me into it, Rosa. I'll get to writing Eugene Gumper's Crunkshank right away. <laughs> That's a wonderful to hear, Mr. Mayor. This may take a while, Miss Honeysuckle. One should craft official correspondence carefully. But it's already so late. Uh, no worries, Miss Honeysuckle. I've spent several late nights at the office. All I need is a constant supply of fresh, hot coffee. Oh, see to that, would you? Brewing a pot of coffee takes a long time, Mr. Mayor, and I was just on my way out. It doesn't take a long time at all, Rosa. Not since I instructed the city to purchase old faithful coffee percolators for City Hall. All faithful coffee percolators? Yes. It's the most advanced coffee delivery technology available. Old faithful coffee percolators have a much narrower internal tube than other percolators, meaning higher pressure, faster rising, and quicker brewing. That's impressive. So I could start it now. And you'd have a full pot of fresh-brewed aromatic coffee before it was time for you to walk out the door, giving you plenty of time to prepare me a cup. How convenient and time-saving. Oh, I see what you did there. And Old Faithful Coffee Percolator's solid pewter construction means they'll retain heat for hours after the stove burner is turned off. So you're guaranteed fresh, hot, percolated coffee whenever you want it. Well, at least I don't have to hang around. What? Nothing. It sounds like Old Faithful Coffee Percolators are the fast, reliable way to make the best coffee around. Absolutely. So while I get started on this letter, why don't you go fire up Old Faithful? Okay, Mr. Mayor, I can do that. You know, Rosa, considering how reliable and efficient you are, maybe I should start calling you Old Faithful. <laughs> Only if you want to see me erupt. 
What? I'll go get you a cup. Hmm, how to start? Oh, dear Alderman also ran, does have a certain ring to it. Act three, scene three. Altered egos. The plot both twists and thickens. Let's draw a veil over Mayor Crane's correspondence and return to the shade Wednesday morning Melvin Clive, and Anna Bracegirdle. By the time Anna and Wednesday exited the building they used for their stakeout, they found Melvin Clive helping the Shade limp slowly across the street. Told you. I'm all right. I'm all right. Just need to walk it off. What happened? I'm not exactly sure. I was descending the side of the building, and suddenly the shade was there, hurtling past me. Oh! Fortunately, his descent was slowed before he reached the pavement. Thank goodness. Unfortunately, it was slowed by a ledge. Oh. Which sent me flying into the side of a parked truck. Dear. And then down an open manhole. Again? I'm considering writing a very strongly worded letter to the Streets and Sanitation Department about their negligence in regards to manhole covers in this city. Are you all right? Of course. We masked crime fighters are made of sterner stuff than most. I'll be fine. Pretty sure everything's popped back into place. Yep. All better. Let's go. Anna and Melvin made their way across the street. But Wednesday held the shade back. What really happened? Melvin wrapped the rope around his waist somehow and then started running down the side of the building. How could he? I don't know. But it was so impressive with his cape flowing out behind him. You and capes. Um, pockets? Point made. I couldn't let him get to the bottom first and show me up again. I'm the shade. I figured if he could do it, so could I. Oh, Shade. Our heroes joined the other two outside the abandoned building Anna had seen someone break into. They saw the glare from a flashlight beam within the darkened interior. This is our chance. We shall charge in and apprehend the miscreant. Not so fast, Mr. Clive. The masked marauder, if you please. Right. <clears throat> well, masked marauder, that may be the way it happens on the radio. But here in the real world, we like to sneak in and take them by surprise. Plus, this is most likely a homeless person looking for a place to sleep. Sneaking around in the shadows just seems so... Unheroic. Excuse me? Might I suggest a distraction? What? Excellent idea, Wednesday. If you and Anna cause a distraction, that would allow Melvin... The masked marauder. Whatever. To enter the building and take the perpetrator by surprise. That does sound like a sound strategy, and my foes are usually distracted by Marlowe Street anyway. Exactly. Anna... What do you say? Are you up for creating a distraction? 
Are you kidding? Finally something I know how to do. Count me in. All right. I figure if we head around... Before Wednesday could say anything else, Anna Bracegirdle let out a loud, dramatic sigh. <sighs> dropped to the ground in a highly theatrical swoon and proceeded to emote vociferously. Help! Oh, help! Someone, anyone! Isn't there a single brave soul courageous enough to save me from the villainous clutches of this sinister evildoer? What are you? Marlowe is usually bound at the mercy of the villain by this point in the piece. Well, that makes no sense here. Whether Anna Bracegirdle's rantings made sense or not, her protestations... Do what you will, villain. I don't fear you. Some good Samaritan will rescue me. Oh, help. Help a poor, virtuous girl beset by tragedy and travails. Who talks like that? I'll admit it sounded better on the radio. Add their desired effect. Footsteps could be heard. And the glow of the flashlight grew closer. Quick! To the shadows! Wednesday, Melvin and the shade melted into the darkness afforded them by a conveniently placed doorway, while Anna Bracegirdle continued to play to the balcony. Oh, no, stay back! I refuse to succumb to your despicable desires! No! What happened? Did she just... Faint? She did. She's a trooper. That's one word for it. We have to help her. And we shall. We will rescue her once the villain abducts her. What? Why are we letting him abduct her? Well, that's her role. Is that all she is to you? Some object to be plucked out of someone else's possession? I say, Shade Old Bean, are all female sidekicks in the real world so... so... So what? I'd suggest you quit while you're ahead. I was just going to say it straight, because I think you're the type of girl who can take it. So mouthy. Mouthy? Not only are you not ahead, but you may not have one shortly. It seems to me your only job is naysay everything. The distraction was your idea. I didn't mean flop around on the ground like a helpless fish. She's an artist. She's a loony. Can we perhaps focus on the intruder? Dear heaven, how far have we fallen when I'm the level-headed one? This isn't over, Melvin. I say, you're awfully cute when you're angry. Why, you... Here he comes. A beam of light reached the window, in front of which Anna Bracegirdle lay, unconscious. The rickety sash was raised. At that moment, Melvin Clive uttered a cry full of bravado. Feel the might of the masked marauder! And launched himself through the open window, tackling the unsuspecting figure... I can't believe it! I know, that move was amazing! It was irresponsible! Yes, absolutely. But it looked amazing! From inside the building came the unmistakable sounds of a struggle. 
I suppose this means we have to go save his bacon. We are heroes, after all. Fine. But I'm doing this under protest. Let's go. Wednesday and the Shade took off at a run. Remembering to avoid the sleeping form of Anna Bracegirdle. Whoop! Well, Wednesday remembered to avoid the sleeping form of Anna Bracegirdle. The Shade, on the other hand, tripped over the prostrate woman. Causing him to fly through the open window. He's right. That does look amazing. And straight into the middle of the ongoing fracas. Wait, is that the way that's pronounced? You know, this is one of those words I always read, but I've never heard anybody say. Fracas? Hmm. Fracas. No. Fracal. Now I sound like a parrot. Fray, fray, throw the heck with it. Now it's lost all meaning. The shade flew through the open window. Thank you. No problem. And crashed headlong into the fight. As Wednesday climbed carefully through the window, she saw the Shade stagger to his feet. Never fear, Melvin. The Masked Marauder. The Shade is here to save you. I was doing fine before you flew through the window and fell on top of me. No need to thank me. I won't. Wednesday turned her attention to the intruder and was shocked. <gasps> Told you. Shocked to find she recognized both of them. Shade! You know, Melvin, for the last time, I'm the masked marauder. Shade! No, Melvin, you're not. You're an actor, and while you may be surprisingly adept at running down the side of buildings... Gotta admit, I wanna know how he does that. You can't go barreling blindly into danger! Why not? Because that's my job! Shade! What, Wednesday? I'm in the middle of chastising this thespian for ignoring his partners and trying to do everything himself. What's that for? Some things you say, Shade, need to be taken down for posterity. I say, how do you keep that typewriter on your neck through all this fracas? Still sounds weird. Trade secret. Now, if we could possibly focus on the two people presently lying unconscious on the floor... Melvin Clive and the Shade turned their attention to the two men, who had just started to regain consciousness. The Shade was shocked. <gasps> See? Punch? John? Shade, what happened? Oof, what hit us? Um, that would be me. What'd we ever do to you? I'm so terribly sorry, officers. I had no idea who you were. Punch. Did I get conked on the head really hard, or are there two shades? I'm seeing double two, John. This is Melvin Clive, the actor who plays the masked marauder. Oh. Why is he dressed up? Long, Long story. story. 
What are you two doing here? We're doing a sweep of all the abandoned buildings to see if we could find the fellow who's responsible for the break-ins. So are we. <laughs> Excellent. The mass marauder is always willing to work cheek by jowl with the powers of law enforcement. <laughs> What's he talking about, Ponch? I got no idea, John, but it sounds like something you can't talk about on the radio. Hey, what happened to the woman we heard crying out for help? Yeah, I remember we were just about to go check on her when we got tackled. Oh, that was Melvin. The masked marauder. Here. Anna Bracegirdle was acting as a decoy to draw you out. We thought you were the person responsible for the break-ins. Where is Anna, anyway? She can't still be lying out on the sidewalk unconscious. Everyone headed outside to check on the actress, only to find... <gasps> She's gone! What? Where'd she go? There's only one explanation. There is. Pretty sure there might be more than one. No, officers. The only possible explanation is... Oh, no. She's been abducted. Natch. Now that's commitment to your art. We'll return to throwing shade, caught in the act, in just a moment. But first, a word from our sponsor. Friends, do you love the taste of fresh brewed coffee? but despair at how long it takes? Have other coffee percolators promise swift results only to disappoint, making you wait for what feels like forever for the water to rise to the top of the machine and that rich, dark, life-giving liquid to fall to the bottom? Then despair no longer. Old Faithful Coffee Percolators are the perfect coffee delivery mechanism for those busy, on-the-go types who can't wait around for quality caffeine. Utilizing the latest in high-pressure technology, the heated water in an Old Faithful Coffee Percolator rises faster than mercury on a summer day. That's right! The narrow inner tubing of the Old Faithful Coffee Percolators creates a veritable geyser of heated water, resulting in almost immediate coffee production. And don't worry about losing that heat, either. Thanks to advanced pewter construction, Old Faithful Coffee Percolators hold heat for hours, meaning you can have hot coffee throughout the day without burning expensive fuel. Old Faithful Coffee Percolators. They're a blast! And now, a few words from other important personages. And now, back to our story. Act 4, Scene 1. The Great Escape. Melvin learns a lesson about accessories. With the discovery that Anna Bracegirdle had disappeared, our heroes started looking for clues. We should start looking for clues. I'll check for footprints. On a sidewalk? I'll head to the roof and see if I can get a glimpse of them. Use the stairs. We won't find anyone if you try running up a building and end up in another manhole. I'll check around the building. I'm sure there are plenty of places they could hide without going too far. Ponch and John can help me. Sure thing. As everyone began to head off in various directions to search for Anna, they noticed a lone figure reclining against a wall in a decidedly unconcerned and leisurely manner. Um, Melvin, 
I can't help but notice you're reclining against a wall in a decidedly unconcerned and leisurely manner. Of course I am. There's really no need for all this running about willy-nilly. What are you talking about? Your co-star has been kidnapped. How can you be so calm? Simple, old chum. Are we baiting sharks? I suddenly want to go to a cabaret. The masked marauder is always calm. I don't go looking for clues. Clues come to me. Hey, Ponch, have we been doing it wrong all this time? Just think of all the time we wasted looking for clues when we could have been eating donuts. That's not how oh. clues work. I wouldn't expect you to know, as you are a sidekick and not a masked crime fighter. But rest assured, that is exactly how clues work. Sidekicks are, after all, the ones getting kidnapped, not finding the kidnappers. I do not get kidnapped. Well... All right, once. Aha! But I have also tracked down kidnappers. That is true, and I have to say, we always look for clues. Well, then you can learn something from me, Shade. Whenever Marlowe Street is abducted, a clue always turns up without me having to lift a finger. All we have to do is wait. Hold on a minute. But aren't you an, an actor? actor? What's your point? I'm confused. That's all right. So's he. Punch, John, why don't you go let Police Chief Cannoli know about Anna Bracegirdle's disappearance? Maybe he can get the full force of the police out there looking for her while we sit here waiting for the clues to arrive. Whatever you say, Shade. Come on, John. But if the act is, then she'd never really been... Don't think about it, John. It's like I said, actors are weird. Um, Melvin? The mass Marauder, right, sorry. But you see, we have a problem with your plan. Problem? What problem? The plan is foolproof. Well, the problem is that all those adventures you keep talking about, the ones where the clues just appear without you doing anything, those were just episodes of your radio show. They were scripted. Yes? And... Um, all right. Wasn't expecting that response. Um, the point is, this is reality. We don't have writers. There are days it certainly feels that way, folks. Believe you me. You've lost me. In the real world, clues don't just fall from the sky. At that moment, a clue fell from the sky. Or at least the rafters. Aha! A clue! You have got to be kidding me. It came from up there. Come on! No need. I can guarantee you this clue will lead us right to where Anna is being held. We won't need the clue if we catch the person who left it. But the clue! Well, you could stay here and look at the clue, or you could go rushing blindly into danger with me. Mast Marauder away! Take a look at this so-called clue. I smell a rat. Well, it is an abandoned building. Well played. Thank you. I think it's time for the vamp to join us, just in case that clue is legitimate. Good idea. Oh, and Shade? Yes? 
Try to stay out of manholes. I'll do my best. Wednesday morning knelt to retrieve the clue, which turned out to be a simple rock with a note wrapped around, tied with a string. She carefully untied and unwrapped the paper. Signed, Milo Street. <sighs> he can't be serious. How is this supposed to lead us straight to Anna? That man's typing with an empty ribbon. Disgusted, Wednesday crumpled up the note. Then suddenly paused and ran out of the building, searching for a secure place to change. Where's a phone booth when you need one? <laughs> Meanwhile, up in the intricate network of I-beams that made up the ceiling of the building, the Shade and Melvin Clive were following a shadowy figure toward a skylight. Quick, head to the right and try to cut him off. Right. Good thinking, old chum. Hup. The masked marauder made a massive leap across a chasm between two I-beams, grabbed hold of a beam higher up then executed a perfect 360-degree flip in midair to land nimbly on his feet ahead of the retreating figure. Ha-ha! <laughs> Looks like those trapeze lessons paid off. Nobody likes a show-off, old chum. Despite the masked marauder's impressive aerial feat, neither he nor the Shade were able to catch the culprit before they reached the skylight. Curses. They gave chase, but discovered their quarry had locked the skylight. Blast, we've been outdone. Not quite. Behold, the daggers of darkness. They are most impressive looking, but what use are they? We can't cut through the latch, and while I would have no qualms about picking this lock, the hatch is locked from the outside. All true, but allow me to give you a lesson in expert weapon handling. I simply face away from the skylight, then... Ha! Um... Not finished yet. Ha! That's amazing! You weren't even aiming at the skylight, yet the dagger broke right through the glass. How did you do that? Rest assured, nobody's giving classes in that. Now, come on! Reaching carefully through the broken glass, Down! the shade slid back the bolt, opened the skylight, and sprang out onto the roof. I see him. He's on the next roof. Quickly, before he gets away! The masked marauder sprang through the skylight, though not quite as quickly. The shade had already started his pursuit, letting go of the skylight, which slammed shut. Right on the masked marauder's cape! <clears throat> Causing the shade to have to come back and free him. <sighs> oh, thanks. Don't mention it. 
Who'd have thought there was a downside to capes? Unfortunately, I fear our adversary is getting away. At that very moment, two roofs over, there was the sound of a commotion. Oh, oh, and a cry of pain. Ow! It seems luck has smiled on us, old chum. Let's away! The masked marauder and the shade leapt nimbly from rooftop to rooftop. Both of them did leap nimbly from rooftop to rooftop, until they found a figure writhing in pain. Ow, my shoulder! Who turned out to be none other than... Frank Fry? The Shade. Well, ain't that just aces? As if today wasn't bad enough. Uh, who's Frank Fry? He's the Lieutenant of Shade. The what? Lieutenant of Shame. You see, Shame I is... I do read the papers. I know all about the Society for Highly Awkward Massivility. But what's a lieutenant? You don't know? I would have thought you'd have found a class in it. A lieutenant is obviously... Um... Him. Wait. Do you mean a lieutenant? Oh, please... See, that's what I would have thought, but he insists. Not this again. Just arrest me already. Oh, we shall. Have no doubt, villain. But first, where is Anna Bracegirdle? I've absolutely no idea what you're talking about. Shade, what's he talking about? Who is this person? Frank Fry, Lieutenant of Shame and all-around criminal mastermind. Meet Melvin Clive, actor and the voice of the masked marauder. Well, I don't care if he's a... Wait, did you say the masked marauder? Yes, that's me. I love that show. I can't believe this. Oh, Mr. Clive, I'm such a huge fan. I say, that's awfully decent of you, Mr. Fry. This is why those of us who tread the boards do it, you know. The satisfaction discovering we were able to bring a bit of illumination to someone's otherwise dreary existence. Oh, you do believe me. I know this may sound a little strange, but could I trouble you for an autograph? What? Why, of course, my dear fellow. Always happy to oblige a fan. May I remind you this man is a criminal? A criminal with extremely good tastes. Here you are. Thanks, Mr. Clive. You're all right. Let's go, Frank. We're taking you in to police headquarters. I'll go anywhere you want. I got the mass marauder's autograph. Say, Mr. Clive, is there anything you can tell me about the new season of episodes? Well, I'm sworn to secrecy, of course. But I'll tell you one thing. If I have my way, after tonight there will be some big changes. They're not going to change the theme song, are they? Heavens, no. Perish the thought. <laughs> now come along. I don't know how much more of this I can take. Something seems off. Not quite right. I can't put my finger on exactly what it... Ah-ha! Of course! Ha! Much better. Act 4, Scene 2. No degree of preparation. Fry is grilled. A short time later, 
Frank Fry was sitting in a police interrogation room, surrounded by the Shade, Melvin Clive, and Police Chief Cannoli. Well, 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 Mr. Frank Fry, make it easy on yourself and tell us what we want to know. Otherwise, I'm going to have to give you the bird degree. Uh, Chief, <laughs> there was a bit of a mix-up there. I believe you meant to say the third. Oh, boy. Huh? It's the third degree, not the bird degree. That don't make no sense. Everybody knows that when a criminal tells you something, there is a stool a pigeon and they sing, right? Well, yes. I believe that is the vernacular, but... <laughs> so, if you want to make a stool a pigeon a sing, then you got to give him a the bird degree. Besides, you can't give him a third degree until you know how many other degrees he's got. But... You know, that one makes a certain kind of sense. Look, there's not much I can tell you. If you're looking to find out what shame's up to, I'm not your man. I haven't been able to reestablish any kind of shameful presence in this town since the Shade and his friends put me on the run. I haven't even been able to find a permanent place to stay. Aha! Uh -huh. So you are the smellier man. Hey, I was going to try to get clean at the YMCA, but that place is always so crowded. I mean, just yesterday I saw a sailor, cowboy, guy with a motorcycle, a construction worker. For the last time, chief. Yes, there was even one of them there, too. The word is vagrant. Oh, right. Yes, that's me. I'm too scared to light anywhere for more than a night. You have no idea how hard life is when an entire city is hunting you down. I hope you don't expect sympathy. You brought it on yourself. Hey, there's a depression going on. In case you haven't noticed, jobs aren't exactly growing on trees. A fellow offers me a job, good hours, steady pay, and all i got to do is pull pranks on people? Hey, I already love doing that for free, so sign me up. I do a good job, so he promotes me to a more managerial position. Makes me a lieutenant. Scusi, I know my English is not so good, but that's not really a word, is it? What's a lieutenant? Simple, Chief. It's the opposite of an arrived tenant. There are some things, Melvin, that you should just leave to the professionals. Don't blame me. My synapses aren't properly lubricated. Speaking of which, it's getting rather late. I'm due for a nightcap soon. How much longer will this take? It'll take as long as it takes. Crimes don't have time limits, you know. I do hate to disagree with you, Shade, old chap, but you see, my adventures are always wrapped up quite neatly within 30 minutes, including two sponsor breaks. It's true. My wife, Carmela, and I love it at a show. It just breezes right to by, and all of the bad guys get what's a coming to them with no problems. That's how you know it's a fiction. Tell me, Mr. Clive, they're not going to change the theme song for this next season, are they? There are some fundamental flaws with the show that I and Anna would very much like to see redressed, Chief Cannoli. Flaws that must be fixed if the show is to prosper, but we'd never suggest anything so rash. I mean, <laughs> we're not barbarians. If we're finished with the celebrity gossip, can we get back to the real-life crime? <laughs> yes, quite sorry. Frank, who was it that offered you the job at shame? Never got his name, but he came from money, no question about it. You could smell it on him. Aha! So he's at a... Don't say it. 
I'm just saying, this is the kind of guy whose servants have servants, you know. Had a hoity-toity accent, too. Like he was some Lord High Muckety-Muck. And yes, I know, Lieutenant doesn't make any sense, but that's how he said it. So since he was paying the bills, I went along with it. Where did you meet this man? Never mind all that. Where is Anna Brace, Colonel? Who? Don't play games with me, Frank Fry. You know very well who. Anna Bracegirdle, the young woman you abducted. Look, Mr. Clive. I'm the masked marauder. Is he serious? You have no idea. I didn't kidnap anybody, honest. Oh? Why were you on the roof then? Bird watching? I was trying to find a building to lie low in for the night. Then I get run over by somebody high-tailing it from the direction you two came from. That's a likely story. Thanks. Who ran into you? No idea. They didn't exactly hang around to introduce themselves, but I think it was a woman. Hmm. Maybe it was Anna. He had her, she broke free, and ran off. No, that couldn't be how it happened. Why not? Anna would never break free from captivity and try to head off on her own. It's completely out of character. You realize she's not actually Marlowe Street, right? No, this criminal has her, but he's hidden her somewhere. The jig is up, Fry. I know you're lying. Spill the beans. Please don't. We just waxed the floor. It's a figure of speech, Chief. Come on, Fry. Confess. I'm sorry, are you all waiting for me to say something? Let him go. What? 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 I mean, he's right. Let him go. He's obviously innocent. Good work, everyone, and still plenty of time for a nightcap. First one's on me. Before Melvin could make it out of the interrogation room, the shade stopped him. Just wait a minute. Shade, I think it's rather poor manners to confront a fellow crime fighter in front of a suspect. I'll just have to find a way to live with myself. Why are you so sure Frank is innocent? Yeah, why? Yeah, why? I mean, I'll be quiet. It's simple. When the masked marauder tells a criminal that the jig is up, the criminal confesses. Every time. He didn't confess. Ipso facto, Frank Fry is innocent. Who's this ipso facto character? He sounds like one of the Gangananzo family. Why don't you go check that out, Chief? Could be a lead. Now that's a good thinking. Frankly, Shane, I'm surprised at you. I would have thought you knew interrogation techniques. For the last time, Melvin. The mass. Never say that again. For the last time, this is not a radio show. And for the last time, we should really have a nightcap. We'll go have one or five drinks, then resolve this whole sordid mess in part two. <laughs> Who doesn't love a good cliffhanger, eh? <laughs> Were you dropped on your head as a child? Repeatedly. Why do you ask? At that moment, the Shane and Melvin heard a noise. <laughs> Turning, they saw an open window and an empty chair where Frank Fry had been sitting only a moment ago. 
Did he? Open the window and run off, taking our only link to the criminal organization shame with him? Oh, yes. But he's not supposed to do that. Apparently, he didn't read the script. I couldn't find no ipso facto, but I did find something about a Greek fella named Ergo. Hey, where's that the Frank Fry fella go? He escaped through that window. Chief, why do you have windows in an interrogation room that open? That's because it gets really hot in here when we use those hot lights for the bird degree. No, Chief. Here we go again. That's why it's called the third degree, because you make it hot and uncomfortable like a third degree bird. Mr. Clive, I'm sure you are a very talented actor. Oh, you're not wrong there. But everybody knows that if the mama bird wants the egg to hatch, she gotta make it a warm. And if we wanna get our stool a pigeon, we gotta do the same thing. Bird degree. But... Thank you for your help, Chief Cannoli. Can you keep the search for Miss Bracegirdle going and perhaps look into the man Frank Fry said gave him the job at shame? You can count on me. I will give both of those issues 100% of my attention. You can... Excellent. Melvin and I will go see what the vamp has been able to find out and check back at the radio station in case Anna somehow made her way back there. In the hallway, the shade was stopped by a very confused Melvin Clive. Shade, I'm very confused. After all, why are you so willing to leave and put Cannoli in charge of such important cases? Very simple. He was starting to make sense. Act 4, Scene 3. Radio fooled the crime-fighting star. Things become somewhat clearer. As Melvin, Clive, and the Shade made their way across town, hoping to find the vamp. There was already quite a bit of activity at WNDY Radio, specifically in station manager Sammy Goldwing's office. Well, here's another fine mess you've gotten us into. Don't blame me. The idea was perfectly sound. I'm just dealing with the same problem every writer has. The world is a stage, but the play is badly cast. I resent that. No, you resemble that. May I say something? No, Otto. Don't say something. Right now you're the only person in this room I still like, so don't ruin it. Mr. Golding, please. It's not my fault. Yeah, yeah, that's true. It's Otto's. Yeah, yeah, that's what? The only reason I had to get involved was because you didn't leave the clue like you were supposed to. So, of course, as always, I had to come in and fix it. Don't blame me. I barely made it out of that unseen. Anna may be small, but she is dense. I know that, Otto. That's why I hired her. Nine, nine, nine! I mean, she's schwer! Gewichtig! Heavy! I had both my arms so full of her. How was I to leave a clue? And how hard is it to drop a rock through a skylight? I had to go into the building to make sure it fell somewhere Melvin would find it. Yes, but then they saw you, ignored the note, and took off after you instead. 
That's not my fault. I can't believe after years of loyal service I'm being treated this way when it's obvious that, like most of the problems with this place, it's the writing. Why, you... Enough. That's it. What do we do about it now? You could start with telling me where you stashed Anna Bracegirdle. Oh, ah, yeah. The vamp. Oh, dear. We are fertig. Myrtle, I told you to close that window. Don't blame Myrtle. She can't be expected to focus on details like that after spending the night leaping across rooftops. Pretty sure that's not in her job description. I'm impressed. Didn't know you had it in you. Thank you. Glad someone appreciates me. It's all from my many years with the circus. You see... Moidal. I mean, I have no idea what you're talking about. Oh, please, it's obvious we've been found out. I wish all wrongdoers were so forthcoming in real life. I am shocked. Shocked that my staff had anything to do with this. I haven't said what it is yet. Whatever it is, I'm shocked. How much do you know? Everything you just said while I was standing outside the open window. Wait, how did you know to come here in the first place? Yeah, how? I mean, I'm shocked. The clue you left. What about it? It says help. How does that lead you to us? It's signed Marlow Street. And while Anna Bracegirdle may not be the sharpest knife in the drawer, she doesn't appear to have the same casual relationship with reality that Melvin Clive has. So, if she had written the note... She would have signed her own name. Great job, Marion. It was a first draft. Once I realized that, it was obvious that only someone connected to the show would write a note like that. So, I came here. And what do you know? I was right. My only question is why? What's the point of staging an abduction? Simple. If Melvin and Anna insisted on going through with this ridiculous notion of following the shade and Wednesday morning around, then the safest thing for the show was to make the experience as much like an episode of The Masked Marauder as possible, to keep them safe. You do realize that the Shade and Wednesday Morning are perfectly capable of protecting them, right? And they had chosen a case that held zero real danger. So what's the real reason? It would keep them from insisting on any changes to the show, of course. Otto. Sorry, I should rice fast loose my lipper. You certainly should not. There are ladies present. And what's wrong with the actors asking for changes? Because they're actors. Marion. Fine. The Masked Marauder is a very successful show. But these two have gotten it into their heads that their characters need to be more realistic. And what's wrong with that? Isn't art supposed to imitate life? Get her. She thinks we're making art. Regardless of the truth or falsity of that statement... This isn't reality. It's entertainment. There's a depression going on out there. Do you really think people want to tune in to the masked marauder to experience more reality? They want fun, thrills, clear heroes, and villains. They want laughs. They want problems with nice, tidy endings. 
So we gave Melvin and Anna something like that out in the real world so they'd stop trying to fix what wasn't broken. They're just trying to give people what they want. Is that so bad? There's no harm in it. No harm? You've made Marlowe Street incompetent. That reinforces... She's no good at fighting crime. You're right. So she needs protection in those situations. What's so horrible about a competent person protecting someone in over their head? Surely you've done that. More times than I care to admit. Exactly. And as for reinforcing anything, anyone who looks to entertainment to inform their opinions about the real world has bigger problems than one radio show can fix. Well, just as the vamp was about to mount a rebuttal that would, we're sure, reduce Marion Sturgis's position to smoking ruins, the door to Sammy's office was flung open. And in strode the shade, supporting a highly inebriated Melvin Clive. Hold the his eye, the Maud Maraska. Ah! Ah, who are you? Unhand me, I say. Go! Oh, whatever you say. Shade! Ah! Shade, you saw me when you came in. Force of habit, am I glad to see you. What happened to Melvin? Nightcaps. Don't mind if I do. Another martini. You've had enough martinis. I mean martinis. Well, you'll be happy to know I found Anna Bracegirdle. Really? Where is she? She is sleeping in the studio. They wanted to stop the actors from insisting on making their characters more realistic. So they came up with this plot. Who's bothered? You are. <laughs> like a vernal jump. So what you're saying is that everything is taken care of and wrapped up nicely. Exactly. Well, the next time you all want to manipulate your actors, please leave us out of it. Shade, you've got us all wrong. The request to follow you was all their idea. It's only when we couldn't talk them out of it that we decided to step in. Well, that makes it all better then. Hmm. Glad to hear it. That wasn't... Don't bother. He has no sense of culpability. He's a producer. So what do we do with Melvin? We can't leave him like this. Oh, that's no problem. Observe. Melvin, you're on! Stand back, villain, or feel the wrath of the masked marauder. Excellent. Done in one take. I'll be in my dressing room. He has a dressing room? At a radio station? It's a broom closet, but it makes him happy. Well, since everything seems to be taken care of, we'll be going. We have some actual crimes to worry about. Come on, vamp. Before the shade and the vamp could exit the building, Myrtle Pierce caught up with them. Wait. What is it, Miss Pierce? You won't have to tell anybody about tonight, will you? I know you two are thick as thieves with those reporters, Theodore Rockwell and Wednesday morning. I just don't want anything to tarnish Mr. Goldwing's reputation. 
Believe me, Miss Pierce, neither of us want to talk about tonight. Oh, thank you. My doll? Coming! Isn't he wonderful? He's certainly something. Come on, Vamp, let's get out of here. I'm surprised you didn't use the window. To be honest, I just want to get home. This has been a terrible night. I know it's been frustrating, but... I spent the whole night being shown up by an actor. An actor, Vamp. He's better at being me than I am. What am I supposed to do now? Shade, I'm only going to say this once, so pay attention. Melvin Clive is extremely accomplished and incredibly talented. This is helping? No! Stop talking. He's extremely accomplished and incredibly talented at being flashy. He's all sizzle, no steak. Every step of the way, he expected things to just happen for him, to have things handed to him. He doesn't know how to do the job of being a crime fighter, just how to look good in a cape. You work at it. You put in the time. We both do. We're the real thing, Shade. And I wouldn't want to be partnered with anyone else. Thanks, Vamp. That really means a lot. Of course, there's just one problem now. What's that? I really want a steak. <laughs> oh! <laughs> I hate you. While in Sammy Goldwing's office... Well, it didn't exactly go according to the script, but at least it all worked out. I just had the weirdest dream! Oh! And I have some great ideas for the show. First, we have to change the theme song. Marin. Oh, nerds. This has been Throwing Shade. Sponsored by Old Faithful Coffee Percolators. Throwing Shade is brought to you by Chicago's premier storefront theater. Eclectic full contact theater. Reminding you to stay safe and stay home. And listen to every episode of Throwing Shade. Check out our Patreon page at www.patreon.com slash EFCT and become a monthly subscriber for exclusive access to rehearsal videos, outtakes, photos, fancy shade merchandise, and more. Plans start as low as $3 a month. So support your favorite podcast for mere pennies during the pandemic. And don't forget about our other podcasts, all part of the Eclectic Podcast Network. Deep Shadows, Bloody Bay, Cluster F***, Monocyte, and the Half Hour Audio Hour, our monthly audio drama anthology. There's something for everyone. Created by Sarah Siegel and Andrew Pond. Written by Andrew Pond and Kaylee Osterman. Starring the voice talents of Jessica Lauren Fisher, Daniel Houle, Serena Johnston, Noelle Pleiss, Kaylee Osterman, Andrew Pond, Rochelle Prue, and Monica Safflick. Our Foley artist is Laurie Iyer. Our engineer is Daniel Houle. And I'm your narrator, Noelle Kleiss. 
Special thanks to Tina Salamone. Tune in next week. Same shade time. Same shade. Same shade.